Testing, testing, testing. Can you hear me? This is Audible Autism. Okay, um, welcome to an episode of Audible Autism, Interesting People and Interesting Facts. Um, usually it's me and Sarah, but Sarah's not here today, so you'll be having me or I as a solo host. And my guest today is Benjamin Rogan. Yay. And how would you, for as this is your interview, you could introduce yourself to the listeners at home, please. Hi, um... My name's Benjamin Rogan. Um, I'm 26. Um, I'm based in the northeast, primarily between um, Newcastle upon Tyne and Sunderland. Um, I've been living like I've I've been living quite con like conscious and like or conscious of my autism for like most of my life. I was diagnosed when I was like just before I turned five. Okay. So yeah, I, like, I knew what it was. I knew it was there. Um, well, I don't really want to talk about what I'm doing, what else I'm doing. But so uh, that's okay. That's okay. Let's let me just preface the listeners by saying that this episode today we're going to be talking about stereotypes and stereotyping of people with autism. But we can just start off by talking about how you, you know, how you basically came to know that you was autistic or on the spectrum from and then we can start from there all right so well, you can say uh, I, I was diagnosed uh, like i said i was diagnosed just before i turned five mm-hmm. and it was i was diagnosed by professor tony atwood so you know it was quite um, that was quite a useful thing to have because like, certain establishments wanted to were like no like st- around that time people like just like straight flat out denying diagnoses were common but it's like no mate um Atwood, Atwood said they they, can't, they weren't they weren't going to rubbish that they couldn't rubbish that. Now this was really helpful because uh, when I've talked to my parents about this, like the amount of help I was able to access, it was like apparently I was super lucky. I'm not well, I say apparently I know I was super lucky. Um, I I kind of like, like I just as a kid I just things felt a little bit different. I, I, just, I, put, I didn't play football really. Okay. Um, that was what I did. Um, I played. I played football, and I was a bit too into Pokemon. Um, like, well, I say oh, that's not really weird and sexual. I didn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not definitely not sexually attracted to Pokemon. Um, but I, I was like, I, I just everyone moved on, and I just kept playing the games and collecting the cards, and got rid of the cards, and then started collecting the cards again. Like, and, and then I started getting into like the maths and like the competitive side of the game and stuff. And, Everyone else was moving on to whatever, and I, I was felt when I was like eleven or twelve, I was like, oh, and they always talk about the autism thing, and I'm like, um, oh, I actually kind of get it now. I actually kind of feel it. This is quite alienating. And then, obviously, the transition into secondary education that did not go well for me at all. Um, having fights every week. Um, I have friends, but they weren't very good friends. They weren't very useful. Like, they didn't really find my corner. I had, like, a special needs coordinator at the secondary school. Um, 
all of that. She was absolutely lovely. I don't know. Like, she's probably not going to listen to this live. But, like, on the off chance that, that Denise, Rand- uh, Denise Randall is still, one, still alive, and two, still doing this sort of thing. She, like, she really, like, fought my corner. Um, and she was, like, probably one of the first people besides my parents to actually do that for us. Um, it didn't really matter. I got, I got myself kicked out when I was 13. And then I got sent to a special got sent to a special place, special, a special place. It was a special school for, um, it was for children with high-functioning autism. Okay. Well, children and young adults, it was like 11 to 18. Yeah. And, well, mixed bag, really. I mean, kind of did quite a lot of fun for my kids, but at the same time, I hated it. I couldn't stand it. Yeah. Especially when I had, when I had to transition to living resident, residential because I was too much for my parents. Okay. Point. I didn't really... Uh, I'm moving out and I was like when people talk about moving out being you know imagine being made to move out basically move out when you were 15 um, yeah I mean I got to go home on weekends sometimes but. yeah that that sounds like a lot ha- a lot happened for you when you was younger <laughs> it's it's interesting because well, for me, yeah, you are kind of right. Because for me, it was the opposite. I didn't find out until that I was autistic in any way until much, much later. And about when I was in the sixth form, really, near the end of sixth form. And cool. yeah, and I didn't. It wasn't that we. It wasn't that my my folks didn't ask, or my parents didn't ask, or didn't say if there was anything in any way to help. Because they already knew I had this dyslexia because we were, there was always this issue with my handwriting and my hand-eye coordination's never been that great. But you know, I it, it's, a, it's through a lot of stubborn. It's been stubborn and just a lot of loggerhead with me and my mom. That's how we kind of. I'm I'm sort of better compared to where I was when I was a lot younger, but. It's one of those things where when I learned about it for myself, I was like, oh, this, I should have, you know, it makes a lot of things over the last couple of years in my life feel a lot different. You know, it, it, I look at it a lot different now than when I did at the time where it was this frustration to kind of try and be normal, which I'm certain you probably have, on, have gone through that same kind of thing as well, isn't it? I guess. Um, I... It, although I had an early, I had not, like I said, I had knowledge of it early on. I had like, I heard the word, the word autism was, were firm, the word autism was firmly part of like, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say my vocabulary, but as part of my understanding of who I was okay. from quite a young age, because it was always, it was talked about as like, very hush hush, but I was a nosy bugger. And, um, I wanted to. I'm, I'm still like this today. I want to read. Every, I want to read. I want to know what everyone. I want to know everything. And if I'm mentioned, I want to hear it. If someone's written something about me, I want to see it. If someone said something about me, I want to hear it. Um, like I like at least once a week. I'm putting out like FOI requests for my, my my personal information from various. Like I, I'm weird like that, but because um, I like I just like to have all the information that's collected about me really. Yeah, no. And this kind of came from your mate. I just wanted to know what people wanted to know what people were saying about me. I wanted to know 
why people were like when talking car charging but already car charging having like clandestine meetings about my about their development or why 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 didn't the other kids get this? Oh, okay. And then I sort of I, I tried to figure it out and saying like, yeah. I feel different about I play football. Um, everyone else played athlete football and everyone else had a problem with me playing football and then I was like older and older and older and older and older and more pronounced and then I went from one specialist establishment to another specialist establishment and I went to um, specialist college where I did like, basically I did a bunch of social skills stuff whilst going to university. Okay. Um, and that did quite a lot for me. I mean, I didn't like the residential side of things. What was... They had, they had their own house. Okay. Sorry, sorry. I was just going to ask, so how would you say the treatment was at the social place? Because I've heard you say you didn't exactly like the residential area. The house, what was your um, The vast majority of members of staff were pretty damn good. Okay. I may not have agreed with every single decision they made. I may not have. Um, obviously, I don't like being restrained. It had to happen a couple of times, but um, it's the job, isn't it? Yeah. Um, there's only one. There's only one. I can't even really think of one occasion where I felt like this person shouldn't be working here because one particular member of staff. She, she should not have been working. She should not have been working with disabled anybody, really, considering the way she used to talk about people with disabilities, especially when she got angry. Ironically, um, shortly after she was dismissed, uh, actually, I say this ironically, it's like, well, it is kind of ironic. I mean, it's not bad to say. Um, she got pregnant and her baby has Downs. Uh, I mean, it is ironic, but um, it's sort of there's a bitterness to that. Yeah, you, you feel. Yeah, it was damn. Considering the way that person was talking to you and how they addressed you, it was like yeah, that's they should have showed a bit more compassion or empathy. Yeah, like that, was, uh, that or they just should not have been working there. Yeah, like this is not like. We are well. I'm definitely not some kind of bloody subhuman. Like, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be responding to you like that. Of course not. Like, I, I felt. I'm glad I didn't retaliate. To be honest, I like. That's one of the few times where I felt like I, I like, like sometimes it'll be playing. I'm like, should I have done something? No. No, no, you you were right. That, that was one of the few times I was right not to retaliate. Okay. Like, I shouldn't have done anything. Like, just, I just walked off. I, I just walked off the half. Um, I walked off the half, went back to my bedroom, and was like, I'm not working. I'm not working there ever again. Yeah, which is funny because I feel if you did react, do you think that would have confirmed, do you think that, I would have probably confirmed her assumptions about how people with autism are is that they don't have any sense of self-control and I they would. can be really aggressive and stuff like that. Well, I think I was 
I think I had raised my voice towards someone else and she told me to shut up. I told her to shut up. So though I had been on some kind of altercation, she can just say it out of nowhere. But it didn't matter how my context isn't really. Context is not an absolver here. It doesn't really change what was said or the intent behind it. Sure, sure. Um, and when, when people say things like that, it is... It, it cuts to the bone, doesn't it? It makes you, it makes you sort of feel lesser than because to give you a bit of detail about me, when I was first getting my diagnosis sorted out, and this was before I started uni, when I went to my GP at the time, we yeah, they're useless. Yeah, they are useless because, well, the one I had. He, we went to him because this was, we didn't know what autism was. We was learning it as we went along. And I remember we had to try and go for him to get like a proper diagnosis and things with Brent would start off. And he wouldn't listen to a single thing that me or my mom would say. At one point, he actually came out and said to us in the appointment, oh, why would anybody want Asperger's? As if, as if I, we or any of us had asked for this or we was trying to look, we was trying to gain something at, you know, we was trying to cheat the system in any way by trying oh, to Oh, yeah, it's well sick. Um, <laughs> it's well sick getting treated like absolute crap by the medical establishment, by, by uh, the medical and psychiatric establishment and not knowing your, pl- not knowing your place... Net and like, well, I suppose most people don't really know the place in the world, but like, not having any understanding of what's got of what's going on, really going on around you, or anything. Yeah, that's sick, mate. Like, growing up, having this stunted ass childhood because, like, you don't really understand what the other kids are doing, or like, other that like, you understand what they're saying, but you don't really see anything beyond that because you can't see anything beyond that. Sounds sick, mate. That's I, I totally asked for this. Yes. Like, I was like, this system is completely rigged in my favour, mate. Yeah. Which, you know what, since... Nah, no. Guy's an idiot. Yeah. Which, you know what, since we're, we're sort of darting around that we might as well get to the point. Yeah. We are talking about stereotypes. So, stereotypes about people with Asperger's or with autism. So, what's your opinion on... How do you personally feel about the stereotyping and the way people view well Asperger's. I can answer this question by talking about an incident okay um about honestly four years ago it was a, a good friend's 21st birthday um we all went out and um we ended up in a casino okay bet you know where this one's going um so, a friend of my friend, uh, basically a friend of my friend, um, he's like he came up to. Uh, I, I was um, I was I was on a blackjack table. Um, I was doing all right actually. Um, he came up to me and he's like, oh, "Are you autistic?" Like, I'm like, well, "That's a really weird question." I, I, I was drunk. I'm like. I'm, 
idea of like a, a prodigy or they, they well, good will hunting. Hmm? Good will hunting. yeah goodwill hunting is another example where somehow being autistic is a shorthand for 
being some kind of prodigy. And it's it's really I would just see it as it just that would how as somebody with autism it just means that you're there's certain things that you focus on or you feel you consider that you have a you have a certain way you of, have to have a special you have to have an obsession. You must be obsessed with something. Exactly. I, I don't remember seeing that in the DSM mate. No. But, uh, it's uh, I, I wasn't getting it. You know, I was getting it. The more ones you see, think we have to be obsessed with something. No, no, no. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's like no. It's 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 a thing that is. It's frustrating because it kind of paints you as the oddity, rather than if anything, it's the other way around because you just see yourself as a person. You just see yourself as. It's just your way of thinking in terms of how you approach it. And when there's a task set in front of you, you just want to get it done and done well, isn't it? You're not, you're not trying to show off. I, I, sometimes for me, whenever I see a film or anything, like the one that sticks out in my mind is extremely, I think it's extremely loud and incredibly close, where the child in it is some, some sort of piano prodigy and all I could just do is sit there and think, I wish, mate. I wish I could be some sort of piano prodigy, but that's not me. The most I can honestly say is I can talk well, I read a lot, and, you know, I've got a creative mind. That's my that's my thing. As speaking to you, in all honesty, from, you know, speaking to you, you've, you've touched on that you're a programmer, you've touched on that you take part in, like, gaming tournaments... You seem to have a you seem to have a stable outside life going on, so it's fairly. Yeah, but it's it's patronising to just hone you know to try and put you in this one box of saying you're this and only this. Would you Would you agree with that? I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. And um, also, with with stereotyping, I feel. It's ex- it's exhausting. It's exhausting, really and truly. Is there any other? I wouldn't say. Is there any examples in media for you that sort of stick out to mind, other than just Rain Man? Excuse me. Which sort this of this one's a bit of a deep cut. Okay. But I remember um, as a teenager, mm-hmm. being real, like I thought, I was like, I was like, I, like, I, I love skins. I go back and watch it now, and I'm thinking. Why have I gone? I go go say things like what? What on earth? This is this is crap. <laughs> but uh, I used to bloody love skins. And when they said we're going to have an autistic character in the reboot in the next season, I'm like, oh crap! This is either going to be terrible or it's going to be amazing. This is going to be <laughs> sick. And It was just a bunch of tired stereotypes. It, he was he was painted as like an obsessed, like a Rain Man obsessed with building models, um, a desperate, sexually frustrated virgin with no understanding of people around him, being constantly picked on and abused by his friends, um, and he had no control over any of it. And I, I'm just sat here thinking, well, this is no radical reimagining, is it? No, and then people will go and watch that and think, oh, this is exactly how 
people with oh, autism. Oh, and not to mention, like, I think every single, every single major member of the cast referred to him as as some sort of ableist slur. Oh. At least, like, two or three times. I'm just, I don't know why I'm laughing, but I'm just like, uh, yeah, this is, this is, this is, this is totally making me feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. This is a good, noticeable bit. It was, yeah. It was not a good portrayal. Yeah. Not, especially, especially the, 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 the one thing that's always bugged me is always this inter- this idea that autistic people don't have any sort of emotional connection or they're they're somehow detached or cold from people. When in fact, from my experience in dealing with people with autism, it's often been the opposite, really. I think... I definitely, I definitely don't think that's true for me, but... Um, there's underlying factors behind that. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm borderline as well, so I definitely, I'm definitely not cold. Yeah. Like, I, I think I'm too much of the opposite for my own mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But... Um, I apologise. I understand that this is a sensitive question, but would you say with your borderline, would you say that kind of is in tandem with your autism in a way? Um, I'm not sure. Good question. I'm unsure how to answer, to be honest. Okay. I don't really... uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm not really sure how I feel about answering that. I'm not. I, I don't think I'd have to actually sit seriously think about that one for a decent amount of time before I could get sure. Because otherwise, you've yeah. Because otherwise, that's just something you've you've be you've lived you just lived with and accepted as is what it is. Really. Yeah, I mean, I was only diagnosed with borderline, but I was that last year. Okay, okay, but it is yeah. It's just it's often. I've always found people to be found people with autism to be kind and considerate, and it's not that we it's not that we don't have emotion. It's just sometimes, like in, I know in my case, sometimes we just kind of go from one thing. There's not really much of a middle ground for us. It's just either one thing or another. It's how we interpret it. I think it's in my case. I think it was just more because I'm a bit crap at showing. Yeah, I'm just like. I chuckle because I was I'm exactly the same. I was exactly the same in that instance. With always saying it was alright and then really actually there's this massive pile of homework that I haven't finished from like a couple months ago and it's coming to the end of the school term. Anything else you would like to touch on in regards to stereotypes, or um, have you said what you need to say? I think well, most of my most of my stories involving stereotypes being involved being referred to as some kind of Ray Manesque figure. Oh, I, yeah. I've never, I, mean, I suppose, I can think of a few times where I've read like paperwork written about me and I've been painted as painted as a violent monster of some sort, um, but I'm not really seeing that as like a stereotype of autism per se. I'm seeing that as people who really Read writing things about me based on other things, but they've read about me, about me, so yeah, 
they just see, oh, well, he's history people, so he must be, he must not have reformed. Yeah. Um, and then when they speak to you, it's actually a completely different story. Um, with a, maybe a couple of exceptions, yeah. Okay. okay. Like, I had, that's all right. That's fine. So, is there anything you would say, or you would like you would advise you would like to pass on as advice to people to say what they should? You know, when it comes to judging, when it comes to stereotyping people with autism, and if anything, what should change? Yeah, don't just let people do what they like to do if it's not harming anybody or just let them do it like it doesn't really matter it doesn't affect your life in any material way I mean sure if it, this guy's obsessed with like digging holes in your back garden or something yeah you might want to do something about that that's a bit weird but <laughs> like if the man if someone's like obsessed with collecting GQs or um Sight and sound. He wants to talk about sight and sound. There's like indulge him, like maybe indulge him a little bit. If it's a bit awkward, get out of there. Don't mock him for it. Let him be. Let him be. Like just let people be. Yes. Like, we. We're not all rain men. Like we're just like normal human beings. We have a wide range of like varying yeah. abilities and skills. It's not like it's not like an RPG. There's no autistic class. Does the like plus? So we haven't we have got like plus seventy intelligence. I no mate. That's not how war works. No, not how war works. We have not RPG characters. We're human beings. Yeah. Although, truth be told, if we did have a plus fourteen stat, that would be kind of amazing. You know, it would be kind of. Depending on what 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 universe would be in, what rule book, if it was D and D, that'd be stupid. Yes, um, I would actually be broken. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're pretty broken. Darkness, as well. yeah, we're pretty broken. the darkness too. You do a lot of intelligence. I'm, I'm digressing now. Sure. But, well, since we're talking, we're touching on games at the moment. I would like to ask. You said your special interest with me is... Something you talked on earlier is that your interest is fighting games. Yeah. So, I am... Well, your interest is games, but specifically fighting games in particular. Yeah. I am... I'm sort of semi-schooled in on that world, but if you think you could give an explanation as to what that, you know, what that sort of entails for you, what, what, in, what draws you to it... And maybe just well, an explaining for people who might not know what any of their stuff is. Well, quite hard. Well, I, I I'd always been like, I, I, most people remember playing like maybe like maybe way remember playing Tekken Three as a kid. Or definitely remember the demo disc. Um, that's what that's that's where I started with it. But I kept playing, I kept playing, I kept playing. And when I got sent away to the special school, I kept, I kept playing. I, I had another guy that I played with. Um, and we went to tournaments in Manchester sometimes. And I wasn't that good. But at the time, but we met a bunch of people who were good. Um, and then we started playing. And then I started, when, when I moved up to the Northeast, I started playing, well, 
that was when I started playing other games. Like I branched out from just Tekken into like Street Fighter. I started going to I started going to proper tournaments and just playing online. Okay. Um, what was that like? Your first time going to a proper tournament? That was scary. It was really scary um, because I've been to like one London thing, but I didn't enter the actual tournament. I just, to, I just played casuals, and I didn't tell anyone who I was. Um, but I went to this northeast thing, and they didn't really have any Tekken players, so I was really bummed out. I felt quite alone. So, and they, they all played Street Fighter, so I thought maybe I should learn Street Fighter. Um, so I sat down. I really didn't like it. I didn't like Street Fighter, Four. Um, and nobody really played anything else. So I felt and I. I for a bunch of action, a bunch of actions that I I have apologised for all these people concerned. I pissed a bunch, I inadvertently pissed a lot, a lot of them off. Um, but they gave us a chance. They took us in. They accepted us. They taught me stuff. And then um, I started travelling, going to more events, going to international tournaments. Um, did all right for myself. Okay. Um, I've never made any like silly money, but did all right for myself. And then I found myself in the last two years, kind of took the mantle. Like I kind of like took the reins of the team and started organising events for us. And like, all right, I'll run tournaments now. I have, I have disposable income. I can buy PS4s. I can buy monitors. I can buy copies of the game. I can buy the DLC. I can, okay. I can run these events on my own. Sure. Um people come to them, they still do come to them, and then I started helping out, uh, and then around the same time I started helping out at other, other events, larger events, like huge, multi, like international tournaments where people from fly, fly from all over the world to come play, and being involved with them, helping run them, making sure they run smoothly as well as playing in them. Um, it brings people, I, I just like the idea of bringing people together to do something that's Kind of fun. I mean, it doesn't help that I'm decent at what I do, but at the same time, it's just it makes it one of it's one of the few things that makes me feel like, yeah, I'm contributing. I'm contributing positively to this. That's good. That's good. It it makes you it's it gives you that feeling of belonging, but it also makes you feel like you're contributing to uh, something much larger than your own. Yeah, definitely. Um, just the other day, um, before I came up to London, um, I received a care package from um, a small um, see, a small um, Japanese fighting game scene for a game that it's not very popular. People don't play. It's very it's very old. It's just had its twentieth anniversary. Um, it's a very old game. People don't really play it anymore in the UK, but. Um, I've run a couple of I've run a couple of small events for it where it's been present. Sort of sort of revival has occurred, and these 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 Japanese players who've never stopped playing the game, they noticed this and they sent me a bunch of like artwork and goodies and stuff. And I remember opening that package up and I'm like, "What's this?" And I'm just going through all this stuff, all this artwork. And these books, these Japanese strategy guides, they sent me so much stuff. 
I'm just, I got a little note. Um, it was written, one side was English, one side was Japanese, and I'm, just, I'm reading it. I'm just, I nearly cried when I was like, I'm just saying, I haven't, I didn't feel like I'd done anything to deserve it. I just ran a tournament and posted a few things and said, guys, you should play those games, it's a big game. And like, these Japanese dudes had noticed that and thought, yeah, let's, let's help this guy out. That it shows, it shows that they're not just blowing smoke up their, themselves or anything. No, 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 they're humble as hell. There's it's humility, and it also shows that there's a dedication, and the fact that there's somebody like you overseas who's tended to join in. Which, for the listeners at home, if you're wondering, the game, if I'm right, is Vampire Savior, Vampire Savior also known as Dark Stalkers Three, when it came out over here. And, yeah, for a game, as you said, that is that old and people have been playing it since for that long, it it gives them a sense of, and you said that there's now sort of a revival of people. There's, like, in Europe, like, there's, there's always like a handful, of, a couple of, like, there was a smallish scene in Lyon, in okay. France, okay. but no one played it offline anywhere in Europe. Like, there was, there's an offline scene in, like, the only offline scenes outside of Japan are in Northern Cal, or in like San Jose, like San Francisco, San Jose, and New York. They're the only places that play it offline. Wow. And then there was a small like intermittent scene in Lyon in France. Okay. And then me and another guy in Edinburgh who, and another guy in Edinburgh who quite handily owns an arcade, um, we've been putting on events for the game and they've sent us and, well, they sent me, they, I don't know if they sent him anything, they should really. Um, they sent me a bunch of stuff, and I was take, I was blown away. Um, I think, because the only reason I could think of where they noticed me was a voice chat I was in during one of their larger tournaments that was, broadcast, that was broadcast on Twitch. And I was in a voice chat, just sat talking about it whilst it was happening, asking questions. Um, I may have tried to get one of the... I may have ordered a round of beers for um, the the team that were favourites before they played the European team, so they would have been hopefully too drunk to play. (laughs) Uh, I think I might have ordered them like 10 beers. I think I ordered them like 10 beers or something. Okay. Um, me and YouTube still got watching. Um, might actually no. I think it was a US. Yeah, it was a US team. Okay. They were playing a US team. I was really, not an EU team. I think there was one. I think like, I don't think there was a French team like this year. Um, and they must have taken notes. Like, oh, this guy bought us a bunch of beer. Maybe we should send him some stuff. Maybe that was it. I don't know. But they sent me, they sent me this lovely note. I had people get in contact with me saying like, oh, thank you for doing this. Like, it's good to see that it's good to see that the game's still alive and I'm still sat here. I've barely done anything. <laughs> I ran a tournament or two. Uh, we're all crap. Stop it. <laughs> we're all crap. We have like one good player. Um, it was quite weird finding out that like one of the, like, one of like the best like one of the best EU netplay boys just happened to be in Newcastle. 
that's lucky. Oh yeah, it was. Because I, I, I thought, oh yeah, I'm going to boss this. I'm, I'm sat down, I've learned all this stuff. And then this guy who I played against on Fight Cave once and absolutely wrecked me, he, he turns up. I'm just like, uh, what? He's like, oh yeah. He's like, he's like oh, I, I live in like North Shields. He, like, to prove that North Shields is like 10 minutes outside Newcastle. And I'm just like, what? He, he turned up and he absolutely wrecked us. Um, I think that was, it was quite quite a funny coincidence. Um, I think I'm digressing too much, but uh, when I do things like this, I'm, like I've invested quite a bit of money into equipment for these older games, mm-hmm. like because most of the um, like most of like the current, current port, like you can play the games on more modern consoles, but the ports aren't. The, like, the way that ported is not done very well. Like the, the games are not the same. They're not the same to a point where they can be comp- They can be considered viable for competitive play. Okay. So in order to get around this, we have to actually salvage the old arcade hardware okay. and hook it up to a bunch of electronic wizardry, which I've actually. But I mean, obviously, it's a podcast. They can't see a secret gun. For those who don't know what Fightcade is, it's sort of how would you describe it? An online program? It's basically it's an online. It's an on. It's an emulator. So it, it emulates various arcade hardware, so you can play old arcade games, but online with other people. And the way it's designed to have. It's designed to be an optimal netplay experience. Okay. Although, if you actually understand the underlying architecture, you realise it's anything but perfect. But it's the best thing we have. So, we use it. Um, and you sit in lobbies and you there's a chat, which is usually toxic as all hell. So, you don't read the chat and you just play games with people. It's quite... It, it, it's, well... Actually, I can't. I, it is free, but I, it's not free, free because I. So, what would you say besides Vampire Savior is your main games that you play? Um, I mean, Vampire Savior is quite a new thing for me. Really, I've only been playing it seriously for like just under a year. I mainly play. I mainly play Tekken, uh, Street Fighter Three, Third Strike, which is. The reason I'm actually in London, the first place I've just been to um, a very a, a large European tournament called Gutter Trash, um, which ended yesterday. I didn't do very well in the main tournament, but I, I did all right when I, play, I played quite well in casual, so I feel like I've redeemed myself. Okay. Um, brought people down. I've brought a few people down with me. Um, that and Tekken, really. I mean, I play Street Fighter Five, but I don't enjoy it. I just play it because I make a bit of money from it. <laughs> okay, well, you know... Sorry, it's, sorry for digressing. It's okay, it's okay. But if you can... The way I see it when it comes to stuff like that is if you can... It's a passion. It's yeah. something you're interested in. And if you can make a bit of money on the side on it, then... So why not? That's a good thing as far as I'm concerned. You're not harming anybody. 
I might you could consider it self harm, but um, well, well, not like self harm in a literal sense. But you, you, it's not doing good. To, like, playing certain games is not doing good. Like doing something you hate, even if you it's like yeah. working. It's like working a job you hate, mm-hmm. even if you're making really good money on it. You still hate your job, and you still hate yourself for doing it. Yeah, right, right. I mean, and I'm not even getting paid that much. I'm not getting that, making that much money from this game. But I, it's very hard to enjoy it. Of course, of course. Um, is there anything that you would like to to plug or give mention to the listeners that you think they should check out? Um, hmm. I mean, I could. I mean, I could plug. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't think there's any point in plugging the fighting game scene or anything like that. No, no, no. I don't think anyone really cares. Um, I'm just gonna think. Is there anything there? Um, well, since you brought it up, you could say you could check out Got a Trash on Twitch to see if anybody wants to get an idea of. That that, that 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 would be like you could um, you could um, actually maybe not maybe not have, maybe not check that but maybe not that. I'm just trying to think, is there anything I could plug? But I, I can't really think of anything, to be honest. I don't really think okay. of anything that would be appropriate to plug. Sure. Okay, well, Ben, thank you for coming on and having this interesting discussion thank about... Thank you very much for having me. Sure. And till next time, people, um, thank you.